0: Thanks for joining us today for the Eagle Drive Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Chris Thorne. Eagle Drive is a Bible-believing, New Testament
1: Baptist church where Jesus is preeminent and the gospel of grace is at center stage. We are devoted to connecting with God, growing together, serving others, and
2: sharing our faith. If you would like to know more about our ministry, visit eagledrivebaptist.com.
0: Now, here's today's message.
1: Hello, Alan. you mind opening us in prayer? <coughs>
0: Lord, we do thank you, Lord, I've come to your house tonight. Lord, we look forward to hearing what you have for us uh, from this lesson, Lord. I pray that you do. Brother uh, if as he teaches, Lord, it will be a real lesson to us. Lord, I pray for these request, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will just intercede in each life. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the Colonel, Lord, that you will touch his heart and save him. Give us now the plans of our hearts in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen.
1: All right. Uh, let me ask kind of a, almost a review type question. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the meaninglessness of life um, and trying to find meaning in life. So in what ways um, in what ways, do the meaninglessness of life show us the goodness of God? What ways does the meaninglessness of life help show us the goodness of God? Kind of a tough question, but it kind of is an overview of what we've talked about thus far. Anybody have anything?
2: Gives us what we don't
1: deserve. Gives us what we don't deserve? Yeah. yeah, that's true. What else? In what ways does the meaninglessness of life help show us the goodness of God? Starting off with a deep question for you guys.
0: It shows you that all the meaningless stuff doesn't fulfill anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't fulfill, it doesn't satisfy. Exactly. What else? Anybody else?
0: The, uh, worldly things will just leave you empty.
1: Worldly things leave you empty. Yeah. yeah. I think many of us could testify to that, right? Yeah. So many times in life, we've chased after things that we thought would bring satisfaction, but they left us more empty. Yes. Anybody else? Maybe one more thing. In what ways does the meaninglessness of life show us the goodness of God? Michael, thanks for raising your hand. What? <laughs>
2: Again?
1: In what ways does the meaninglessness of life help show us the goodness of God?
0: It's already been said. It doesn't matter. Um, just that, I mean, even though life is meaningless to God, we are meaningless.
1: Okay. There a purpose? Yeah, there's a purpose. There's a purpose. I think one of the biggest things to me, it's 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 helped this series especially. It's helped me show or realize again the sovereignty of God. That God is in control of everything, and it's up to me to just trust. And even, you know, you think of tragedy and death, I mean, we had talked about it through the series, you know, losing Carrie, and uh, I mean, obviously even today, tragic news of a celebrity in the world, Kobe Bryant, uh, died in a helicopter crash, just just tragic, and it just helps realize that, man, death is, is certain, uh, life is, is um, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? not necessarily meaningless. Life is short. It's what? Fleeting. It's fleeting. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Life is fleeting. It's temporal. It's, it's very short. And it's very important to understand that God is in control. And the best life is lived for God, for His glory. Now, He wants us to enjoy life. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. He wants us to enjoy the life that He's given us. But we have to realize that we only have one life. And the life... Yes, we can have fun. A lot of times people think, oh, you can't have fun in the Christian life. You can have a lot of fun in the Christian life if you live it the way that God intends you to live it, and you can find more significance, more happiness, more meaning in doing that. And it's it's helped remind me, even in death, that God is good because if you're a Christian, a child of God, there's something better waiting for you than this life that is fleeting, that is temporal. There's something that is eternal waiting for us. And it's just a reminder to me that again i don't want tragedy to strike anyone i don't want tragedy to strike my family but if it does it's okay because if they're saved if they're a child of god i get to see them again and that's a reminder of god's goodness even in this sin cursed world that he's given us a way to see our loved ones again and experience a better a better life for sure and as solomon closes out these last two chapters again he's showing us several pictures of life and The first picture we looked at this morning was the picture of life is an adventure. Um, So with that being said, why don't you name some adventures that you've done in your life? Again, we're just kind of setting the stage a little bit tonight. Name some adventures that you've done in your life. Yes, Rodney.
0: Repelling in the Rocky Mountains during a blizzard.
1: Oh. That sounds exciting right there. That sounds stupid. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, was adventures too. Now but, I
2: think about it, yes, it yes. was very
1: stupid. <laughs> Why did you do that? Because we got dared to do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't back on there, especially if it's a double dare, right? <laughs> That's what Amanda was trying to do with Nate the other day, like I triple dog dare you, like oh. I, he didn't understand it, but anyway, he'll get it. <laughs> All right, what else? What are some other adventures you've had in your life? or hot things? Air have... ride. What? The
2: hot air
1: balloon ride. Hot air balloon ride, yes. Awesome. It was. It was an adventure. Very much of a risk, too. Two cruises
2: to Alaska.
1: Two cruises to Alaska. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah. Two, Two cruises, cruises
2: to Alaska. Alaska.
1: Yes, definitely jealous. It's a bucket list for sure. What else? <laughs> We're boring. You need to tell. <laughs> <laughs> skydiving. Skydiving? <laughs> you want know skydiving? In one of the man-made places? Oh, okay. In okay. the
0: Over the ocean. You jumped out of a perfectly
1: good airplane.
2: Over the ocean, yeah. Okay.
1: By yourself? No. Oh, okay. I wish. That is something I've thought about doing. Mm-hmm. I've thought about it. I don't know if do it, I do, mean, but I've thought of it. Me out, I've so bungee jumped.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: she's covered now, so we're good.
0: She's she's overly
1: covered, yeah.
2: Um,
1: thanks to Stephanie, Amanda's, Amanda's good if I something happens.
2: You can jump out with good
1: air. Okay, good. <laughs> what else? What are some adventures you've done?
0: We went down the rapids in Colorado in a little
1: airboat. Our, our a little airboat, I've done that, yes. it
0: with Pat and Rosemary and David
2: and Wow.
1: That's cool. That was quite a crowd. Yeah, it was quite a crowd. <laughs> did you did you enjoy it? We did most you of did. it. Most of it. It was fun. I, I've done it a few times in the Colorado River. Yeah. Oh.
0: Snow skiing down a black diamond slope. Snow uh, skiing down a black
1: diamond. All right. No. I've shown Heard from it. Just a few years ago, huh? Yeah. First time I went skiing was in Indiana, and I mean, obviously, it's more hills than mountains or whatever, but I did every slope that was there. That was pretty stupid, because <laughs> I couldn't turn. It was just, go to the bottom, and then you crash in the snowbank. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? What are some adventurous things you've done? We climbed Guadalupe Peak. Guadalupe Peak. Where's that? It is, well, it's the
2: highest elevation in Texas. Okay.
1: Gotcha. But it's in the middle of nowhere. Just a solo? Free solo? Like, just... I mean it was a pretty treacherous hike.
2: It yeah. took us what, like five hours to climb up four miles. Wow, oh. it was pretty. That is, that's that's pretty insane. The the old 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 old. Old. Oh, that's yeah. like so we, we should have day tripped it first, the and then you know we're just like camelbacks
1: and stuff.
2: But no, we're like we're like
1: we can do this. Backpacks, yeah, that's no problem. We didn't
2: die, but it was not easy. That's good. You learn though, right? Yeah.
1: What else? What else? Everyone's got an adventure. Come on, let's share our adventures. Hike Pikes Peak. Hike Pikes Peak. Yes, three Amanda. Times. Three times she's hiked Pikes Peak. I got married twice. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> to, the same person. to the same woman. <laughs> same that's an adventure. <laughs> that's, <often. laughs> that's an adventure. <laughs> that might. That might, <laughs> <laughs> that might win right there. What else? Come on. I was kind
0: of like Brother Alan. I never had been skiing. It's the first time I'd ever been skiing, which I did okay because I roller skated a lot. (laughs) I wasn't familiar with how it all worked. And I took a wrong turn, and we came down a black.
1: (laughs) A black diamond? Yeah. That's dangerous. And we made it. Hey, you made it. You're still here. Still alive.
0: Yeah. I didn't even knock anybody off the mountain. Roller skating and skiing is <laughs> so basically the same thing, just right? just cleared out because they thought what was coming.
1: But. That's funny. That's <laughs> really funny. What else? what else? What else? Some adventurous things you've done.
2: Testing her patience. I <laughs> That's true.
1: Testing your wife's patience. <laughs> and he's still here to tell about it. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. You so Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. What else? What else? Some adventurous things you've done. We've all got something.
2: Like a flat bottom boat off the dam. Flat bottom boat. <laughs> that was another dare.
0: Where
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 <off> <laughs> no. you on. dared? Okay, yeah, I was. Okay.
0: Do it now. okay. Now 10, 10, yeah,
1: now. yeah, yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean.
0: 18,
1: you don't even know. Yeah, it sounds. And I don't like want my kids. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds
0: adventurous. then you don't want to bring them over to us. Well, um, Does that include a stupid thing? Too? Sure, I mean, I mean, it's an adventurous I mean, thing if it's stupid. I've taken I, I, I my wife all day. I, I'm always telling her I don't know nothing. And, uh, I got a scar on the back of my head about that long, and it's an indenture. I told her i knocked a hole in. All my brains ran out when I was a kid. <laughs> I don't know nothing. Oh. <laughs> me, me and a friend of mine, we were throwing bricks across this building to each other. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and I was just, <laughs>
1: That's a great idea.
0: Battleship. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. The rest of the story went around on the building and got his friend. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're not allowed to watch Navy there. <laughs> 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 Throwing bricks across the building <laughs> Yeah. I've never done that, but yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. What else, what else? Have yeah, done
0: more things now? I'm sure you <laughs> did. This is, this is just this is that is that fun. That's one I got caught
1: on. Yeah. very.
0: <laughs> we went to Rio Dosa, and we went up a, a lift, ski, I guess it was ski lift. I don't know where it was, but it yeah, was it way
2: was. up there. Came up a storm. It was thundering and lightning, and we got up there, all electric went out. We had to stay in a little barn up there, way up there. They put us in a little barn <laughs> until they quit storming. Wow. I was scared to death. I bet. I bet. I'm not going to do it again. Okay.
1: <laughs> what else? Maybe a couple more. All right, Michael. Cliff jumping. Cliff jumping. You just done them all, right? When did you get so cool, Michael? <laughs> I've been cool the whole time. He's been cool. Well, there
2: was one. We jumped about. It was about sixty feet. We would jump into the water. It's just kind of we amazing. Went back one
0: time ago, and there was all this fencing. And apparently, a guy the weekend before had jumped into a nest of water pockets and died. Yeah. So they put fence up.
1: Y'all are wild. Whoa! i am only just. I've never to to the see. Texas <laughs> Giant. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get you out more. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> Maddie. I don't do any adventures. <laughs> mm-hmm. Randy can take you on a boat on a dam. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, I like my house. I
0: like
2: my couch and Netflix. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. That's an adventure. <laughs> Binge watching. Justin, what about you? You haven't shared anything. We know
2: he's done something. Probably the helicopter ride at the Royal Gorge would be pretty adventurous. Yeah? And they take it up on the side.
1: Yeah? Any kind of helicopter ride no. is adventurous for sure. All right, one more. One more. I I got did a jump off a dam. You jumped off a dam.
2: You
0: used to be able to over at Bridgeport, yeah. but okay. they fenced it off <laughs> they won't let you do it anymore. <laughs> no, no, time. no. It, was it just slows they you know, down. It takes you know. longer to get there now. Yeah, you can it. still do it.
2: It's yeah. too deep. It's
0: yeah. too deep to hit anything. Yeah. I think there's a car or something. Yeah. Car or something That's okay. <laughs> Is it your it's car? It's hit something
1: It's Randy's it's Randy's boat. Rodney.
2: Be able to relate to this. So there's what's called when you're in a helicopter mapping the earth, <laughs> and literally you are flying where the, the the skids of the helicopter are like that far off the top of the treetops. And so you're just zooming along. Yeah. Uh, huh? Yeah. No. That would no. nope. no. be. Awesome. I mean, it'd be fun no. as long as you make it. <laughs>
1: as long as you make it out, for sure. What?
0: Uh, talking about airplanes when I was about eight and ten somewhere in there. Uh, in Mississippi they do lots of crop dust the planes of course when they come down, you know, cotton. And in, in Mississippi cotton is not like Texas cotton. It's about almost high than my head. And it, I would just get a plane coming down, I'll run out and run out in the cotton field and the wheels would be <laughs> yes, my <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you lived a good life. You're
1: dirty, needles are out. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I think they're going to pop taq you one day. Team. What? Tag <laughs> team. <laughs> yeah, tag team. Tag team. My oh, man, that's funny. Uh, well, we talked about risk this morning. And, you know, I believe in our faith, God wants us to have a faith that is taking risk so let me ask this question I'll expand upon it a little bit more why do you think God asks us to take risk in our walk of faith why do you think God asks us to take risk what learn to, to trust what out of our comfort zone yeah get out of our comfort zone testing. Matty get off the couch testing no. us <laughs> yeah no. he wants you to
2: see there's so much of God that we don't know because he's infinite and so there's there's sides of God that you can't learn unless you do take the risks yeah and so he wants us to know him more yeah there's no other way to do that unless
1: you step out. That's good. That's very good. You know, it's like the the point I made this morning in in faith. I believe there's two sides to faith. There's the inactive side of faith, which is standing still. It's waiting. It's patiently uh, allowing God to lead us, which is important. Don't get me wrong. We we need to have times where we just wait on God. The Bible is clear on that. Um, but I've talked to people over the years, and it's it's a struggle for me because I don't want to just tell them this is what you have to do, but. I feel like I've seen so many people that are just in that inactive stage in their faith. I'm just waiting God just has to really be clear to me and you know give me a true sign. Well, I believe God can do that, but I also believe God gives us the initiative to go out and step out in our faith. Like I said with this this morning with Abraham to sometimes he's urging us, he's pushing us to step out. And if we take that step of faith, he is going to meet us and he's going to guide us and he's going to show us like Abraham he went out not knowing whether he went and really like Amanda said, that's a great point. I think it helps us get to know God in a better way. Whereas we don't fully learn God by no offense to Maddie, but just by sitting around. And it's not it's not just her, I just use that as an illustration. But a lot of people in the Christian life are like that in their faith. Where I'm just gonna sit around. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna, you know, really, you know, risk anything. I'm not saying you just, you know, slide down a dam in the boat. I'm not I'm not asking you to do that tonight, but God wants us to take a step of faith, and faith involves risk, and what we were talking about this morning in the risk business is in our generosity, and that's where a lot of people struggle, in their giving, because I can't take any kind of risks, especially, I mean, I need this money, this is my money, I need it, and that's why, you know, I made the, the point point the, in the illustration of how kids do faith better than adults, and it's really true, isn't it? They're willing to ask questions. They're adventurous, and, and yet, you know, unless we know all of the ins and outs of it, and I'm not going to do it. You know, we have to have calculations and, and you know, charts, and, and you, you tell me exactly if this is going to pan out or not. Well, life doesn't always pan out the way that we envision it. But as I mentioned, as, as Hudson Taylor said, unless there is an element of risk in our exploits of God, there is no need for faith. Some people in their giving, they go a little bit extreme. They (laughs) like to play the lottery, right? Uh, I'm not necessarily going off on that tonight, but let let me read a story, and many of us have heard stories like this. In March of 2012, the Atlantic Magazine published an article entitled, Treasury of Terribly Sad Stories of Lottery Winners. The first paragraph states, we feel it is our duty to inform you that actually, you really probably don't want to win the lottery even if you think you do at the writing, america has just gone through another lotto fever seasons uh, with people all over the country standing in line to buy tickets for the whopping 1.6 billion dollar jackpot the atlantic article is just one of many that details story after story of the tragic pain of payoff how the lottery that offered salvation in actuality delivered destruction the tales are filled with betrayal exploitation thievery divorce decadence drugs Binge living, indebtedness, bad investments, bankruptcy, murder, or suicide. For example, Jack Whitaker of West Virginia won $314 million in 2002. That's astounding. Initially, he gave away $50 million, building, helping build two churches and purchasing house, houses and cars for family and friends. A very noble thing. He was in, inundated with requests for everything from cars to carpets Even a trip to a baseball game would yield as many as 150 different people approaching him to ask for money. ABC News stated, suddenly, the man who who won a fortune at Christmas had become everybody's Santa Claus. In short time, things changed. He was pursued legally with over 400 claims and spent more than $3 million defending himself. He was robbed several times. He began drinking to salve his lonely, friendless heart. Much of his money was lost to gambling. His daughter was found dead from drug overdose. His granddaughter was later found dead from drug-related associations. In an interview with an ABC News, Jack once said, Since I won the lottery, I think there is no control for greed. I think if you have something, there's always something else that wants it. I wish I'd torn that ticket up. He later states, I don't know where it'll end. But you know, I just don't like Jack Whitaker. I just don't like... The hard heart that I've gotten. I don't like what I've become. And the writer, I want to continue with his thought, he said, "...sounds a lot like Solomon. Both men discovered that money makes a destructive Lord. Earlier in the book, Far Away from God and Drowning in Earthly Wealth, Solomon concluded that life was not worth living under the sun. But by chapter 11, as Solomon has begun to turn his heart back towards the Lord, life has begun to look completely differently. It has become a challenged adventure filled with seasons of beauty and purpose." Although brief, life is filled with gifts to be enjoyed, and stewarded for God. It is filled with wisdom's better options over folly's pain, and regret. What has Solomon changed or what has changed in Solomon's world? Why is the tone of his writing so vastly different? Because life is short and death is still certain. Oppression and justice are still rampant. Wealth still does not satisfy. Wisdom is still incomprehensible, and judgment is still coming. But the change is in lordship. Solomon appears to be living under a different Lord. Therefore, his heart has changed. Though the world is the same, his inner man has been transformed. His attitude and joy are renewed. His hope is alive again. Why? Because God is a good Lord. And now in chapter 11, Solomon reveals to us a very different philosophy of life. After warning us against hoarding, he challenges us to live with radical trust and abandonment. He thrusts us forward with risky generosity Daring faith, and the internal investment of temporal things. And I close with this and we'll get to the lesson. The value that bursts from this page of God's word are powerful and freeing. The writer says this, The more of life that I give away, the more that life becomes meaningful and valuable. And that's what Solomon sees. That the more of life I give away, (coughs) the more my life becomes truly valuable and meaningful. And the point I made this morning, so often we're in the business of hoarding, right? Gathering, living to get. But really the best life is living to give. To give what God has given us. And since God has first and foremost given us His Son, which is everything, we in turn should be willing to give of ourselves and give of our resources And here's the principle that we're going to unpack tonight. The more of life that I give away, the more of life becomes meaningful and valuable. And the first point, verses 1 and 2. Satisfaction, again, is is found in letting go rather than holding on. Satisfaction is found in letting go rather than holding holding on. And let me ask a a question for your own understanding or for for, um, what what, what you believe. Why do you believe generosity is an important part of living a meaningful life? Why do you believe generosity is an important part of living a meaningful life? Because that's the very first thing that Solomon addresses here.
2: It makes you feel good.
1: Makes you feel good. Okay, that's it good. makes you not focus on just yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. That's very good. makes you not just focus on yourself because what happens is we become very selfish, self-centered, because we have to acquire more. But, you know, I, I was thinking about this after I finished preaching. Really, generosity is one of the keys to living a life that truly makes an impact on other people. Because it's others-focused, right? It's others-driven. But so often we are self-focused, self-driven, driven by our own ambitions. What else? Why Why do you think generosity is important in living a meaningful life? Those are two good things. I
0: think, I think it helps you understand grace more. Okay. That's
1: my yeah, helps you understand grace more. That's good. Yeah. That's good. What else? I
2: think generosity comes from love, and God tells us that we're supposed to love, and then... Love is important,
1: and it's kind of what makes it all work. Yeah, that's a great point as well. Uh, it goes back to really John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave, and that's the point I made in our men's Bible study on on a Thursday night. I, I used that verse as reference after we watched the video. That you know our giving should be produced out of love. That's 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 a very important principle. Anything else? Anybody helps, else?
2: He helps you budget. Yeah. Because you can't be generous if you're just lavishly wasting your money away. Yeah. There's no way.
1: Yeah. How easy is it to do that, right? To lavishly just waste your money away. You know, yeah. buying things that we think we need. Not that buying things is bad. Not that buying things is bad. <laughs> 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 oh I have credit card statements to back that up.
2: Gosh, out.
1: <laughs> anyway. So, was gonna say something over here? What Nobody had the right hand up? Alright. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, I know. That's true. Maybe being a steward of what you have. If you're not
0: using it, somebody else can use it. Give it to them. Yeah. You know, and let them make use of it. Yeah. I mean,
1: stewardship is a very important key. Stewardship is managing the life, the resources, the talent, the time, energy, everything that God has given us. And again, the idea that Solomon is getting at is generosity. And Solomon is encouraging us. I think I have these blanks here. He's encouraging us to take a risk in our faith and our giving. The word cast, cast thy bread upon the water, is a reference to total commitment. He's not just saying, oh, just, you know, pitch out some things here and there. No, no, no. Cast. Throw it out there. Total commitment as opposed to withholding and hoarding. It's very easy to withhold, it's very easy to hoard things. And again, I'm not just going to go dive into, you know, tithing and <laughs> offerings and stuff like that. I am going to be doing a series in the near future. On that, um, probably not long after we finish this Ecclesiastes series. Because the the truth of the matter is, if God truly has your heart, you know what He also has? Your Your money, money, your wallet. But a lot of times, God doesn't have people's wallet, their money. So, does He truly have your heart? No. And it's very important to learn to let go. And when we learn to let go, we find more joy, we find more meaning we find that, man, it, it is a great thing to be generous. And, you know, I struggled that with that as most kids and teenagers and young adults do that, you know, I, man, I want to I get, I want to get as much as I can. I don't have much to give away and I'm not going to do that. But I started probably in college, I started just, you know, being very generous with what God has given me. And he hadn't given me a lot up at that time, but, you know, just as simple as taking friends out. I didn't necessarily have a lot of money, especially being a poor college kid, but taking friends out and buying them chick-fil-a that's good chick-fil-a that's that's you know <laughs> praise the Lord right there um, one of our missionaries uh, to Hawaii he said they uh, they're just getting a chick-fil-a in Hawaii mm-hmm. so yes. that might be next year's mission trip right there just because chick-fil-a <laughs> is going to Hawaii so anyway um, but just just as simple as that I didn't necessarily have it but I, I I can look back at my life time and time again as as my generosity has increased God has blessed me God has given me more than I can even fathom. And it's not in wealth. It's not in riches. Look at my bank statement. Okay. Yeah. Truth. That was an amen. Look at my bank statement. It's it's not that I have a wealth of riches. And I think some people get this misunderstanding. Even some pastors get this misunderstanding or they misinterpret scripture like you give a bunch to God. He's going to give you a lot and you're going to prosper financially. That's false. That's not biblical. But you will prosper in your, in your life in the blessings that he gives you. Maybe it's the blessing of health. Maybe it's the blessing of joy. Uh, maybe it's, just, you know, blessing of friends. It, there's a lot of things that can happen. And, and as I've continued to increase my generosity, not just with the church, but just in general, you know, it's very easy to be generous to people we know, right? But let's ask this. How often are we generous to people we don't know? Sadly, sometimes never. And the Lord has challenged me with that. You know, He says in the New Testament, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. And there's been many times where I've given my money out. You know, someone, you know, the people that are, you know, trying to get money there on the side of the road and this and that. I know very good and well that they might use that money for drugs or they're just trying to swindle. You know, because I've seen people, they go get in their nice car afterwards and all that kind of stuff. But it's more about the heart in which you give. And I believe God will bless that. God will honor that. And I've tried to have that attitude in my life that when I've given, I know very well it might not be used the way I think it should be used. But still being generous, God is going to bless that because satisfaction is found in letting go rather than holding on. And again, it's not just talking about letting it go to Amazon. Or other sources like that, they, all right?
0: Yeah, you just give it to them.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's just for everyone tonight, just, everyone. not just for not just for one or two people or whatever. All right. Uh, when I bought
2: my farm out there <laughs> I had no I had no idea what I was going to pay for it. But I, over the years, I paid for it. Finally, I paid about I paid six thousand dollars a year until it was paid for. It. And then uh, after I got it paid for, my, my, my three boys lived in town and everything. They didn't have no, just rent. And after I got it paid for, I don't know, maybe two or three years after, I told Mary, I said, I said, let's give this farm to my boys. So I had it so laid and spread up in different places, 80 acres, and I had it spread up where they could each have a, their Twenty-something acres and go right down towards your lake, and uh, I split it up. Just gave it to them. the yeah. Lord paid for that. That's amazing. Oh, the Lord, the paid Lord paid for it. it. I never, I couldn't figure out every year how how that money got in the in the in the bank, but it was up there every
1: every year. It always is. It's amazing. And That's great.
2: boy the got it, and, uh, and they're happy. Grandkids is happy. I'm yeah. happy.
1: Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's good.
2: And I, I, you know, I'm just glad, but thank the Lord that I could. You shall form a like
1: yeah, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to do things for <laughs> yes. family and for people. Yes, exactly. And again, it's always, we'll get to this in a minute, but there's always an excuse of why we can't, right? And so many people are waiting for things to get better, for things to improve, for that rainy day to go away. And as I've seen so often, that rainy day sometimes doesn't go away. Or if it does, it takes a long time before it finally goes away. But really what Solomon is getting at, a little different aspect in this morning, those who embrace the value of living to give always have enough and usually have more than they need. Mm -hmm. They always have enough and usually have more than they need. And again, verse 2 continues, give a portion to 7 and 8. Again, he's talking about diversifying and, and being generous. Don't just stop with a few close needs around you. Diversify your gifts That's why it's important to it's very easy to focus on the people we know but what about the people we don't know and that's what that's really what part of this year is about making an impact to to use what god has given us the limited resources that god has given us as a church and spreading out and reaching out and it's not just paying for someone's mortgage or rent or this or that but using the talents the time the energy that god has given us and give to others that's making an impact you know a foolish person puts all their financial security in one place but a wise person will diversify it. So really, you got to think about that: how diversified in you are you in your giving? Not asking in your financial aspect, if you talked with Stephanie, but how diversified are you in your giving? Are you giving to a lot of different needs, or are you more concerned with quarter? And that's the point Solomon is making. And really, there's three great principles here found in these last two ver- or these two verses: be generous in a world of greed. Do we have that? No. Okay. Didn't put it on there. That's all right. Be generous in a world of greed, show kindness in a world of callousness, and exercise faith in a world of fatalism. Be generous in a world of greed, show kindness in a world of callousness, exercise faith in a world of fatalism. Verse 3 and 4. Satisfaction is found in our commitments, not in our circumstances. It's found in our commitments, not in our circumstances. One of the main reasons we're to give generously is because it's the natural outflow of a full life, as it was referenced this morning. You know, I love that illustration that Solomon gives us. Be the cloud. If a cloud be full of rain, what do they do? They empty themselves. They pour out what has been poured into them. So that's what that's what I'm really encouraging us to do tonight: to be a cloud, not just be a fat cloud and store everything up for yourselves, but once it's given to you, release it. To others around you. in a cloud or clouds, they release it all over. It spreads. And that's that's very important. And and as the verse continues talking about the tree, it's about blooming where you're planted. It doesn't matter where the tree falls. But wherever it does fall, that's where it's supposed to be. And think about what Solomon is saying. It's so practical and life-changing. Where God has put you in your present circumstances, that's where you are to give. Where God has put you in your present circumstances, that's where you are to give. Meet the needs of those around you. But I have my own needs. But doesn't everyone else? And the key to a meaningful life is to look past our own selfish desires, our own needs, and look at the needs of others. Because even in this room, there's needs. And be like, Pastor, I've got a lot of needs. Let me go ahead and list them. I can't really afford to do this. Well, to be honest, you can't afford not to. That's what it boils down to. You can't afford not to be generous. Meet the needs around you. Supply the needs of those in whom you come in contact with. Clouds and waters and trees, especially trees, they can't live forever, but the important principle is to give back. You can give back what God has given you. And again, as I mentioned this morning, it is unnatural, impossible for a cloud to retain water without giving it back, just as it's unnatural and impossible to have a meaningful life by withholding. Now turn quickly to Mark chapter 12. I want to reference a story in the New Testament. Mark chapter 12, it's a story many of us have heard, maybe. Mark chapter 12, it's a a great story on the aspect of giving. Mark chapter 12, um, let's see here, verse number 43, 43. Uh, I'll go ahead and start in verse number 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites. That's not a lot, right? It's just, in a sense, let's, let's equate it to us. It'd be like someone putting a couple bucks in the plate. It's not a lot of money. Like, oh, that's not a lot of money. I just put in $600. That's a lot of money. But if the person makes like $60,000 a month, that's not a lot of money, right? So these two mites were very significant because it was all that she had. This certain woman, she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Hey, hey, I want you to look at this. Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. It, it, it's astonishing. For all they that did cast in of their abundance, but she of her wants did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Basically, everything she had at that present time, she gave it back to God. And Jesus was saying, that is worth more than the people that threw a bunch. to. So, and really, they were throwing a bunch in so that others could see. Hey, look at us. We just did a lot. You know we all know people like that, and you know I've talked to many pastors that have had people like that in their church that give a lot, but really they're giving to show. <laughs> hey, look at me! I've done a lot. I've done a lot of gifts, and you know I've got a lot of money, and I'm very generous. That that's that's not a heart of a giver, and it's not about that, That's all pride. That's what that is. But she did it because you know what? It's not a pride thing. I can't really afford to give this, but she gave it anyway. <laughs> And listen, listen, get this down. Her generosity was not driven by her condition. Her generosity was not driven by her condition, but by her heart of worship and love. The reason she gave was because she wanted to worship God and she loved God. You know why people aren't generous? You know why people don't tithe and give to God what is rightly His? Because they put their gold above God. That's what it comes down to. They put their stuff above God. It, it, look, we've all been guilty of that. I, I have at times in my life where I've put what I made because I need this. This is mine. It's not yours. Everything you have has been given to you from God, who is the creator of all, who is the sustainer of all, who is sovereign, who is in control. And really what this boils down to tonight is do you really believe that God is in control? Because when we're not willing to be generous, when we're not willing to give God what is rightfully his, we are showing others by our actions, by our deeds, he's not in control. So let me control this situation. Go ahead and live off your 100% and I'll live off my 90 or 80 or 70 and I'll tell you who's going to be more meaningful. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I mean, there's a story of J.C. Penney who, I think I believe it was J.C. Penney who ended up giving up to 90% of his income back to the Lord. And yet, somehow on that 10%, he was able to do an amazing thing. He lived an amazing life. It doesn't make sense, but the more you give to God, the more he's going to return his favor, his blessings upon you. Look, learn to be who God created you to be. It's time that we put God above our gold. <laughs> It's time that Jesus goes before the mortgage and cable bill, the gym membership, anything and everything else. Learn to be who God created you to be, a cloud. To once he fills you up, let it pour out. Pour out yourself by faith. And look, there's all kinds of excuses. Don't get me wrong. And some of them are legit. I, I get it. There are legitimate reasons why you don't think you can. But really, there is no excuse. <laughs>
2: Exactly. He's, he's going to exactly.
1: Exactly. God, I don't trust you. I'm not going to have faith in you. I'm going to be inactive in my faith. That's good. Instead of active, instead of taking that step. Again, there's all kinds of excuses why we don't, but Solomon is trying to dismantle those. Like verse 4 He that observeth the wind shall not sow, he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Like I, you know, it's, as for the Ron today, I'm sure there were times where it wasn't prime conditions to. To, to sow, right? But you had to do it anyway. Because if you're waiting for that perfect condition to happen, it's not going to happen. So just do it. You can wait forever and watch the wind to change, but you just might be missing out on planting season if you do. God wants us to, to, to sow, to plant, and we're going to reap the benefits of that. And the third thing tonight is this. Satisfaction is found in accepting our ignorance... <laughs> and acknowledging god's rule accepting our ignorance and acknowledging god's rule verse five it talks about as thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit again it's it's a mystery how a fetus develops it it really is and we can talk about that for a long time it's a true mystery it shows us that we don't know everything in all of our wisdom and all of our knowledge We don't know much. And Solomon is, again, he's using metaphors, his beautiful pictures to show how God works. He's essentially saying, hey, don't do the math. Obey the principle. (laughs) Because if you do the math, it's not going to add up. But God's economy does not add up. It doesn't. As I've said before, and I've shared this with our trustees and and with our men, there's been times where I've looked at what I've given, and on paper, how on earth did I make it? it? I shouldn't have made it. I, I still wonder that. But it's not supposed to make sense. Because God has promised in His Word to bless, to provide. But my God shall supply, shall supply, what, all your need according to His riches and glory. God has everything. He owns everything. He's in control of everything. And by giving, by being generous to God, it's, okay, God, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to step out in my trust. You know, this... Again, not just going off on tithes and offerings, but this is the biggest challenge for every pastor. And I've shared this with our men. They've kind of laughed at me. Um, I'd almost rather preach about hard sin than about giving. (laughs) Because it's a deep subject with people. It's a hard topic with people. How dare you say that I need to give my money to the church? Church is just going to misuse it. Well, they might. But really... And I've had conversations with Brother Don about this. When you give it to the church, you're giving it to God, and really, you're releasing that right exactly. But the church, and some churches, sadly, are more for profit. They really are. And I've I've seen ministries like that. It's all about how much can I get. But really, the church should be to advance the gospel, and we need more money. We need more resources. You know, sadly, we're going to have a business meeting here in a few minutes, but I'm just going to tell you, that over the past four years, we've had to drop a lot of missionaries. You know why? Because the money didn't come in to help out our missionaries. We've had to cut staff salaries significantly. Why? Because the money hasn't come in. We've had to stop doing some very beneficial things because the money hasn't been there. And I wish the money was there. And honestly, and I've talked with our men about this, I believe there is more, I don't know what everyone makes, don't don't get me wrong, but I believe there is more than enough money in every church across America to do what God wants them to do. But most churches are struggling financially. Because people are greedy. (laughs) That's what it boils down to. ain't touching my money. Well, then you don't know who God is. And you're not truly obeying Him in all areas of your life. And really, you're not going to be the disciple that you're supposed to be. You know, I think about the New Testament. You know, there were people in the New Testament that they loved God so much. They wanted the gospel to advance so much that they sold everything that they had and gave it to God and gave it to the church. And in America, we are so rich, aren't we? We have more than enough. And again, I'm not asking you to just sell everything you have tonight. But my goodness, you think about our own lives. Think about how much we have and how many people have nothing. How are they going to know unless we go or we give our money, our resources to someone that can go? Because the honest truth is we can't all go. We can't all go to some of these foreign cl- countries or other cities and states around this, this country. But someone else has a heart, has a desire, has a passion. God has burdened them. And I get calls, like I said, I, I get at least probably 10, upwards to 15 calls from missionaries, church planners every month. And I have to turn several of them away because I can't afford to bring them in. <laughs> because there's not enough money to even give them something or take them on for support. And I hate that. And I want to, I, our, our mem know, and Rodney can testify to this, I'm a very generous pastor. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe to my own fault. But I want to be even more generous, not just with staff, but I want to be more generous with our missionaries. I want to be more generous with people around us that have needs. I, I, I want to because that's where it's at. That's where joy comes. And again, satisfaction is found in accepting our own ignorance, understanding that we don't have the answers to all of life, to all of the dilemmas, to all the problems, but it's acknowledging God's rule. <coughs> God's rule that He is in charge, He is in control. Don't expect to figure God out, because you're not going to, (laughs) but trust His heart. Don't let your generosity be conditioned on contingency. Let me say that again. Don't let your generosity be conditioned on contingency. Let it be committed to what really matters. Hoarding what you've been giving is trivial and leads to a meaningless life. Giving back what you've been given leads to a life of value, a life of purpose. And here's Solomon's ultimate discovery. God holds the answers to life. God is the solution. Look, don't live to get, live to get. So as I said this morning, stop waiting, stop reasoning, stop fearing, stop excusing, stop rationalizing, and start giving. Two final passages and I'm done. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Turn there if you would. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Galatians 6, verse 7 through 9. Follow along. This is very important. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's not necessarily talking about our finances, but anything. You sow something bad, you're going to reap a lot of times bad that's going to happen to you. For he that soweth to his flesh, look, listen to this, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall what? Reap. Reap the benefits if we faint not, if we do what God has called us to do. And then finally, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, Mm -hmm. verse number 25. Matthew 16, verse 25. All right, Matthew 16, verse 25. For whosoever... Will save his life. Well what? Lose, lose it. Whosoever will lose his life. For my sake shall find it. Another principle of letting go. Release it. You release the life that God has given you. You're actually going to gain life. You're actually going to find that life is more meaningful. More significant. More satisfying. Look in the pictures of life. Understand that life is an adventure. So live it by faith. In your faith be generous. Don't be stingy. Don't hold back what you've been given. The goal of your life shouldn't be to become a fat cloud or a dead tree. It's impossible and unnatural for a cloud to retain water without giving it back, just like it is for a Christian to withhold what God has given us. And the final decision, here's what we need to really ask God to help us this week. Jesus, help me adventure through life with daring generosity. Help me adventure through life with daring generosity. I don't care what stage of life you're in. I don't care if you're young or if you're old. You can still be daring in your generosity. It's what God has called you to do. It's having that audacious faith that I've preached about before, that I've seen from Joshua, from Esther, from so many other people in the Bible. <coughs> Ask God to help you adventure through life with daring generosity. You might not necessarily have more in the pocketbook, but God will bless you. And he will reward because he's promised. So obey the principle, obey the rule.